Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On this episode, Vicki Kiger of Exterior Source joins us to discuss all things marketing, including the shift in strategy they made in the fall of 2019 that makes you wonder if they had a crystal ball. We'll also dive into what's working for them today, what she describes as the marketing mixing bowl, and the shifts she sees coming to the industry. She also has an interesting story to tell about her early endeavors with an unknown brand that became a household name. Well, I'm excited to get this show started, so let's go. Hey, Vicki, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Absolutely. Excited to have you. Um, I'd love to start these off by uh, giving our audience a, a little bit of a, a background about yourself. So I always like to understand you know, how you got into the business and how you got started. Well, so my background um, from an education standpoint is in communications. Uh, both my undergraduate and master's degree, they were in communications with a concentration in advertising and actually political communications. I wanted to run political campaigns at one time. But what scared, um, you, what scared you away from that? Well, when I was um, after graduate school, I volunteered with the League of Women Voters because, you know, it's always good to get real world experience, which I would encourage anybody starting out to do. And um, once I did that, I did a lot of um, a gubernatorial campaign, a Senate campaign, and I just decided I didn't really like it. It's just it just wasn't for me. But my um, thesis was actually on political radio advertising. So I, that was truly what I thought I was going to do, but then I decided not to. But that's my background. Um, communications really is the main thing, whether that's advertising, journalism, public relations, television. But my concentration was in advertising. And then I got into the industry. Actually, after graduate school, I worked in retail for 10 cents over a minimum wage. <laughs> so great big start. You know, you're out there after graduate school, you spend all that money and yeah. you, you're working for basically minimum wage. But from that, I became a department manager and then I moved into the advertising department and worked for the newspaper director. And at that time, newspaper was huge. So yeah. that was a great learning experience. And then I just moved into other other fields. I did uh, baseball. I worked in baseball. I worked in uh, construction. Um, a lot of two sports jobs um, for a grocery chain, and I just kind of moved along and moved along. But I wasn't a marketing director till I worked for a company called Video World, and that was ba back in the days when you had video rental. So that's my first time at being an actual marketing director as a title. Yeah, those are um, some very male-dominated fields, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the sports particularly, but the construction as well. But I had a worse time in the in the sports field. That was – it's it's changed a whole lot. I talked to – I worked for the Richmond Braves, which was a AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. 
And if I compare that to the what we have here in Richmond, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, it's vastly different today than it was then because that was a number of years ago when I was in it. So I'm glad to see that. It's a, it's a hard field, I think, even still now for anybody. You work really long hours, you don't get paid very much. So, yeah. but it was great experience. So. Yeah, I always love the names of minor league teams. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, the Flying Squirrels is one of the best, and they're yeah. they're an excellent organization. They're very well run. So, but yeah, I've I always had uh, I've had a lot of experience in the sports world. I mean, I worked in the sports information office when I was at NC State, so I, I really always liked that. And then I worked in baseball, like I said, and then I worked for another organization that was going to be an Olympic training facility. Um, here. That one was not a pleasant experience, but that happens. But in other jobs, like Martin's, when I worked for the grocery chain, we did a lot of sports related events. So I've done things with NASCAR, with uh, race car drivers like Denny Hamlin and Jeff Gordon. And I've done events with um, like a big, huge uh, 10K, a bike race, um, just all sorts of things. We did Russell Wilson's Passing Academy. Um, so I've always had kind of a hand in, I guess, in sports as well. So pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And so now as, as marketing director at Exterior Source, I mean, what, what drew you to Exterior Source? Well, I had lost my job. <laughs> so That's one um, way. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's happened to me. That's something that's really a part of my background, for better or worse. I've lost my job five times. Um, it's been, whether it's a merger, bankruptcy, uh, Gosh, there's been several several different reasons um, why things have happened, um, and so when I um, I'm trying to think about how to how to say it. So um, I guess losing your job, you 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 kind of have to refocus on what you're going to do. And Martin's that was the job I had prior to this, and they had left the Richmond area. They're from Pennsylvania. And so I, I was out looking for something. I networked tremendously. And my newspaper, well, she's a newspaper rep for us now. At that time, I had done some events with her. And she said, well, I know this company that's looking for a marketing director. And um, that was Exterior Source. So I interviewed with them. And um, I got the job. And I've been here. This is my fifth year. And it's very much like a job I had previously, which was in the decking industry. So I felt good that I would know what to do because they were very similar. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what what are some of the parallels that you took from your previous experience into, uh, you know, the position you're in now? And, uh, you know, I, I imagine there's a lot of things that are different, but curious on, on what, you know, kind of similarities exist. Well, the, these two jobs are vastly different. So when I worked for Archidec, um, I was there 12 and a half years. That was the uh, largest deck builder actually in the world. And um, it's a franchise system. And so there was franchisees all over the country. Um, so you would go like we I would be doing I was tasked with setting up the national advertising program. They had not had that before me. So I started doing, you know, ads in different magazines, national magazines. And then um, we did some television advertising and things like that. So it was it was very broad because you're trying to do something, you know, for around the whole country, advertising around the whole country. This was before pay-per-click was big. It was even, websites certainly were big. We had a website, but pay-per-click was just starting. So 
that's one of the big changes because now as I come over to exterior source, it's we have two offices, uh, one in Richmond and one in Tidewater. Uh, that's Chesapeake, Virginia Beach in, in Virginia. So we're doing much more pay-per-click. Um, so the focus is a lot more digital, far more than it was when I was at Architect. But the similarities in the audience, it's a homeowner who has, you know, X number of income. Um, they have their home value is, you know, X number. So you're still looking for homeowners. We don't go after apartment dwellers because they can't do anything to the exterior of their home. And, uh, and at, at Architect, they couldn't build a deck because, you know, you're a renter. So you're looking right. for homeowners. So there's a lot of similarities in the customer profile but there's a lot of changes that have happened in the advertising world from one job to the other because of the time period. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we'll dive in here a little bit more to some some specifics as to like what you're doing and some of the, um, I, I want to touch on more of the marketing components, but tell okay. us a little bit more about Exterior Source. So Exterior Source is uh, an exterior home improvement company and we do, we have the LeafGuard gutter franchise and that's for most of Virginia and then we do, so we have gutters, siding, roofing, windows, doors and decks. So we can do anything for the exterior of your home and I've created a couple of things. I, uh, we use the hashtag beautiful exteriors because the idea for us is that when we come to your home, we're going to improve your home if you have ugly siding and we just did a house that I, I can tell you had really bad siding and when it was done it looked like the house had been knocked down and built over it was so beautiful with new siding and it got new windows this house did a makeover so we can come and really I use also a hashtag a hashtag of exterior makeover because we can come in and we we can literally improve the curb appeal of your home and so that's what we we look to do that's great. And, and so it serves uh, the Virginia area you, you mentioned. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. The, the two offices are in Richmond and then Chesapeake. So we serve the greater, the, the eastern part of the state, the, the beach area, and then the central Virginia part. We go a little bit down into northeastern North Carolina, but not far down into it. And we go into Roanoke uh, with LeafGuard only. So um, we have a pretty broad footprint in the whole Virginia market. Awesome. And then as marketing director, I mean, what are some of the things that, that you're tasked with, with doing? Oh, well, <laughs> so that changed. Um, but I, so, and I'll explain that in a second, but I do um, all the advertising um, that might be previously had been, you know, some print, um, whether it's magazines or newspapers or reach or Valpack, whatever that might be. I do all the social media um, I do, and we do a lot, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Google My Business, it's, it's a lot. I didn't handle that until this time last year, I got a text message from our owner that I was going to be taking that over from the, uh, we had an ad agency doing it because of all that happened in 2020, it was a cost cutting uh, measure. But that was a huge, huge change. So I took over all the social media. And the newsletter, um, we put out a newsletter to over 7,000 people each month. So I now do that. I manage the website, although we have a company that does that, but I person that communicates all the changes and updates with them. 
Um, I'm responsible for the pay-per-click campaign, although I don't do it. Somebody who knows far more about it than I do, they're doing it. But I have to manage it and make sure that it's working. I do all the PR, writing press releases, whatever that might be. And I handle all the events. Um, I go out and represent us, represent us at uh, Chesterfield Chamber of Commerce, the Powhatan Chamber, Hampton Roads Chamber, wherever we might be a member. And um, in any events we go to, which of course aren't, uh, there's not a lot of events right now. And then I work with the graphic designer on the design for various things that we do. So I have a lot of, there's a lot of balls up in there. Any marketing person juggles balls all day long. And so that's, that's what I do. But I consider myself the brand ambassador for Exterior Source. So that's, that's really what I am, I'm the brand ambassador. Yeah, I like that. That's a great title. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we had talked about some of the, and you mentioned to hear some things that have, have changed. And you mentioned to me about having you know shifted strategy back in the fall of 2019. Love right. for you to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we were doing quite a bit of print. We were doing post-it notes on the front page of the newspaper. And uh, that worked pretty well for us. But um, it could have been better. It, it worked much better in the Tidewater market than it did in the Richmond market. But our owner wanted to go more into pay-per-click. We were already doing pay-per-click, but he wanted to go, you know, really full into pay-per-click. So we stopped our print and kind of, and we moved that money over to pay-per-click and increased the budget I mean, dramatically. So right now, um, that happened in the fall of 2019. So you know what happens in the spring of 2020? Everybody's at home. So what are they doing? They're on the internet. So yeah. it was it was great timing for us in that we were way ahead of the need and the curve for it. But we could, we were already doing some of it, but not to the extent that we would have needed to do once the pandemic hit, but we were prepared for it. And our industry exploded because everybody was at home looking at their house and deciding they hated everything and everything needed to be fixed. So um, this business was just, it was very, very strong. So that's the main thing we shifted into more digital and we've kept that. So now our focus is we do television, we do direct response television, we have pay-per-click, we do the website, we have social media. So we have, you know, a whole bunch of different things working together. But the main thing is that we got into pay-per-click in a big way really before it was going to become absolutely necessary. Yeah, so you, you've got a crystal ball over there then, <laughs> what you're saying, right? <laughs> well, I have to give that credit to our owner. He wanted yeah. to do that, to move more. We were, we were beginning to do more pay-per-click more than we had been, but we weren't doing it to the extent we're doing it now. So that was, that was good. And he's the owner that's, you know, he's looking at things and he's wanting to do things. And so, uh, and I work directly for him. So, you know, we talk about this and he's like, we need to do this much more than we were. And so, yeah, he has the crystal ball. Yeah, that's great. That's great foresight. Mm -hmm, um, for sure. I, want, I wanted to uh, shift gears just a little bit. And I know you've got this thing called a marketing mixing bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, <laughs> I want you to, to explain to us what that what that entails. Well, so I'm a very visual person. Um, if you show me something, I get it 10 times faster than if you show it to me some other way or you tell it to me. So this was at Architect. Um, so all the franchisees from all over the country 
um, have to come, they would come annually to the meeting, wherever it might be, and we would do presentations each department. So I had to get them, our uh, president, our CEO at the time wanted to get them to understand they needed to branch out in their advertising. Too many of them were thinking really narrow and not doing anything. They were just, everything was by referral. Well, you can't grow your business 100% by referral, although we had a lot of good referrals in that business. So I took a big mixing bowl, literally a big mixing bowl, and I had little cards with different types of advertising or whatever it might be on there. And I stood up in front of them and I said, I'm going to talk to you about the, um, Mixing bowl strategy. This is my mixing bowl strategy. It's a marketing mix. These are the things that you should be doing. And I want you to see what an average franchisee should be doing. So I took a card and I threw in, let's say cable television, and that would be HGTV. You can be very specific in what it would be. So you throw HGTV in there, you throw newspaper in there, you throw pay-per-click, you throw home shows, you'd throw maybe Reach Magazine, you might throw Valpac. You can throw whatever it might be in there, whatever each individual franchisee was doing. The idea was to show it to them that you put all these things in there, five or 10 or whatever number it might be, and you mix it all up just like you're baking a cake. And I said, this is just like baking a cake. So if you don't have the proper ingredients, you're going to have a really bad cake if you leave out flour or sugar or whatever. Right. So if you leave out certain things in your marketing mix, you're not going to have a very, very well integrated plan and you're not going to reach the people you need to you hope somebody's going to see you here and here and here and here and then two people will see you here and two people here but the whole thing mixes up really well and that's your the whole thing of your marketing mixing bowl strategy and that's visualizing it it really helped them a lot of people said at the end of it you know, I didn't realize I really needed to diversify my marketing. I need to put some a few other things in there. I'm limiting myself to too few. And that's the that's what we use now. I've used that in every job where I've been responsible for the media plan. So it I, I think it's it helps me. It's very visual. Yeah, absolutely. And if this if this were a uh, video podcast, I'd have you uh, <laughs> do this with you know, like, like you're mixing uh, yeah. uh, making a cake and throwing all these ingredients in there. I, I like the analogy. Well, see, I have in mind, so so in ours right now, we have TV, pay-per-click, website, social media, Facebook and Instagram ads, home shows, that they, they will come back, newsletter, and events and sponsorship. That's what's in our mixing bowl right now. And, and what are you seeing being the mo most successful? Well, TV for us is because it's direct response and um, we spend the most amount of money on it. It's something that we do through in connection with LeafGuard and our owner's been doing this before I came here. So it's an established program. It gets us a large number of leads. Next would be pay-per-click because that's the next highest amount of money that we spend. But we get plenty of leads from our website and they can come from various things. You know, somebody could, I could be in an event and they could go to our website, fill out the contact form and the lead comes from the website, but it generated somewhere else. So there's a whole lot of different things that, that we do. And um, it's, I mean, it all works together. Yeah. You had mentioned, you know, sort of like uh, you being a brand ambassador. So I'm mm -hmm. just curious when it, when it comes to your brand, uh, you know, what are you doing that you think differentiates you from, from the others in, in your market? 
Well, my philosophy in being the brand ambassador is to be the HGTV of the Virginia market. I believe that HGTV is, if I use that as my, I guess, my role model, they, they are geared towards homeowners and that's what we're geared towards. They are trying to help a homeowner improve their home or whatever it might be, interior, exterior. But our goal is to help a homeowner improve their home and live a better life. So that's why I use the hashtag beautiful exterior. So as a brand ambassador, I'm trying, I tell everybody I work with, whether it's the graphic designer or the website people, my goal is to be HGTV locally in the Virginia market that we cover. Now you have some uh, experience. I remember with with HGTV, right? I think yeah. you're one of the first sixteen or so advertisers. Yes, yes, um, yeah. That's a kind of a unique thing. Um, so that was back with Architect um, HGTV, and they, it wasn't known as that. People didn't even call it that. They called it Home and Garden Television. It was you know spelled out at the time. I had heard about it, and it was not even it was not even on anybody's radar i probably read it in this um i got a newsletter i think it came every day at the time it i think it was called media post if i remember correctly and it had all kinds of really good information and one time i read that there was this cable network that was going to start out called home and garden television i'm like oh my gosh this is perfect I mean, it couldn't be any more perfect. <laughs> Homeowners, perfect, perfect. Right. So I was super excited. So um, then I, you know, looked up more about it and tried to learn more about it. There wasn't a whole lot, but it was coming out. And when I, so I called them. Um, they only had, I was trying to remember, I want to say there was only 14 million subscribers or viewers or however they categorized them at the time all over the entire country that's like nobody and no cable networks i mean no no like comcast or verizon or whoever that nobody was carrying them so i i go to the franchise meeting that year and i say okay we're going to start advertising on this thing called home and garden television and we are one of the first 16 advertisers on hgtv and we advertise nationwide because that's what we had franchisees over the country and our franchisees looked at me like what are you talking about we don't even know what you're talking about no you can't spend our money doing this well first of all it's not your money now because it's the franchisor's money and second of all you just wait so we kept doing it six months went by i took a lot of flack and all of a sudden one of our very best franchisees got a $40,000 deck sale off of HGTV. That was it. Nobody wow. said another word. And of course we see what's happened now. So <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I think everybody knows who HGTV is now, right? Yeah, I think they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. They're, they're, uh, always one of the top five, if not one of the top three network cable networks right now, you can't do much better than that. Wow, that's that's uh, that's awesome. I know now they're they're on uh, I think a, a streaming network, uh, mm -hmm. Paramount Plus, I think maybe or yeah, or yeah. And they're getting ready to. They're also involved with the well, it was that it is the DIY network, but it's going to be the Magnolia Network. Chip and Joanna, Joanna Gaines are taking it over, and I think it's they keep changing the launch date, but I know they're promoting it right now. Wow, um, we're I. I 
always uh, interested in this, but like, where do you um, continue to educate yourself and learn more about, you know, what's available, whether it be uh, marketing or, you know, communicating with homeowners? What is that? What kind of sources uh, do you go to? Are, are you reading books or attending uh, webinars or, or manufacturer events, industry events? How, how do you stay up to date? So, um, well, several ways. Um, we right now, because of the pandemic, you know, uh, Zoom meetings and webinars have exploded. I could do two or three webinars every single day. In fact, I have webinar fatigue. So um, I do a lot of them though, especially as I was trying to learn more about what to do with social media, because I could do social media, but not to the extent that I'm doing it now. So I've had to do a lot of webinars. Um, I go on you know, various sites like Facebook and Instagram and learn more about them. I attend, uh, I go to things like chamber meetings where people are talking about, you know, various things. A lot of times they'll offer some series that will be very helpful. I even, um, I have a, what I call a social media guru that um, I use once a month. I meet with her for an hour. Uh, we do it online and I have certain questions that, you know, I might not know they might be more advanced than, than I do. Um, so she helps me with things and I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to admit that I do that because you need to, you need to get somebody who's smarter than you to help you learn how to do certain things. While I'm a, I can do it more than probably better than most people, I'm not an expert in it. So I have somebody that can answer my questions and that's helpful. But webinars have been tremendously helpful. I also go to a lead generation summit we used to attend it in person, but last year and this year, it'll be virtual. And that's been very helpful because they bring in great speakers. I think it's done through Professional Remodeler Magazine. And they bring in really, really good speakers. And uh, that's been a, another really helpful thing. So I'm always trying to learn. I think I've learned more in the last year than I've learned in, I can't tell you the number of years because of the change in what we're doing, the change in the marketing, and actually just the change overall in the whole world. <laughs> so yeah, it's, really. it's been a lot of learning because my job has changed and it's getting ready to change again. So um, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be a little different. So there's always a lot of learning. You have to try to keep up with it. Yeah. What do you think has been the most interesting thing that you've learned that you've been able to apply um, you know, either fairly regularly or that has had the most impact? Well, probably, I, I would say probably from a social media standpoint, because that's the thing that's had the most, I've spent the most time on, had the, yeah, in the past year for sure, just trying to, again, promote our brand. I changed the way our brand is presented as compared to when the ad agency had it. Um, because I'm engaging more with people. I do all that myself. Um, I've decided what the image of the company is, although they knew that it was HGTV focused. I've kind of put that, made that a stronger uh, focus. And I do more posting and more engagement. And as a result, we've had a lot more interaction. If you want to say impressions or clicks or whatever it is you want to measure it by, um, they're, they're up uh, substantially. I, I just looked at it today. Uh, I was looking at March of this year compared to last year. And it's, I mean, the, the era is green up, up, up across all the things because it's just that I think 
just engagement. If you're going to do social media, do it. You know, you, you can't just dabble in it. you got to do it. So that's probably the main thing. Yeah, they say content, content, yeah. content, content, right? That's the name of the game. Yeah, for sure. And boy, it's not easy. That's not easy finding right. content. You have to also use, you use other people's content too. I used something from James Hardy the other day, one of our, the citing people we deal with. They posted seven reasons or seven, I believe it's seven things to look for when you're, you need new citing. Well, I couldn't write that better. They wrote it beautifully and they're one of our vendors. So I use that. LeafGuard does some, some things like that. So I'll use that. So, and I have a, I, I subscri subscribe to probably 20 newsletters. So I'm always reading things, whether it's from Better Homes and Garden or from House Beautiful, I'm seeing trends like here are five things that are going to be hot and remodeling this year. So you, you use content like that as well. So, but you also have to have your own content. We do a lot of, photos. I, I post a lot of our projects so people can see what we really do. Yeah, it's helpful. Are, mm -hmm. are you now, now, Vicki, are you are you guys on TikTok? No, that's not for <laughs> us. It's it's too that's young. I, we're not our demo is 35 plus. We're not the TikTok generation. Yeah. And and to that is uh, is your audience primarily on Facebook or, or yeah, where are they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure, because it's it's a it's an older adult and but uh, Instagram is becoming very, very important. I just started doing some Instagram ads. Um, they've, you know, not done fantastic, but they've done okay for us because Instagram is where people are moving. I think that of, of all the social media, that's the one that's growing. And so I want to have a little bit stronger presence on Instagram. So that's, that's a focus or a goal. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, as we we're, we're nearing our time here, but um, you know, what do you what do you see changing in the industry in the next three to five years? Where do you see this going? In the construction industry, or but oh, more specific to 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 your realm marketing? of marketing, marketing, yeah. Well, I, I don't. I think certainly pay per click, whether it stays just as regular pay per click, or I think um, you have Alexa and Google and all the artificial intelligence that's going to grow. I just asked our web people this week. Um, okay, I read this article. It's the second time I've sent it to you. Um, this thing is it's it's coming. Are we ready for it? And they said we are, but we're not running ads on artificial intelligence right now. But um, that's something I think that is going to grow. You're just going to say, hey, uh, Google, give me the nearest uh, deck builder in the Richmond area or something like that. You won't even have to go on the web to look for it. I think that's going to grow. And, and some other things. I think events, once they open back up, they're very important for us. We make good personal connections. And I think those things are going to grow too. Um, we have a presence on LinkedIn. And I think that LinkedIn connections will grow. I see it getting more and more important. So um, in, in my industry, like in marketing, I think, I think those are the areas I would look for. Yeah. Do, do you think that... Um... And I, I agree with those too. I, I see some of the same trends. Do you think that uh, this sort of virtual world that we're living in will be something that uh, becomes more uh, more of a mainstay? Like yeah. Virtual events? Uh, I think it's going to be a combination. Just like now you're reading about people who are beginning, they were working at home and they're going back in the office. They're going to do a hybrid. I think you're going to see a hybrid because I think that's what 
what the work experience is going to be now. People might work in the office three days and work from home two days, or, or it's, it's a hybrid. I keep reading more about that. So I think that might be, uh, you're still going to have some virtual events. It has allowed me to attend events virtually that I would not have been able to do previously, or I wouldn't even have known about them. So yes, I think it's, from a learning standpoint, wow, that, that's been super. And yeah, I think it will stay. But in-person events, you can't beat them. So you need to de be doing both of them. I wouldn't want to do a virtual home show. That's not going to work. Um, they tried it. It didn't really work. You need to do that in person. So a hybrid, I think, maybe. Yeah. And then what about from like a customer experience perspective with, with your homeowners? Is there, have you noticed any kind of change in their, their perception of, you know, a rep coming to the home versus maybe doing an appointment virtually, or, you know, are you, are you having to uh, promote a specific way of, of conducting these meetings? Well, we were. Um, certainly, we, like everybody else, had to adapt or pivot. Pivot's the big word, the big word from last year. So we had to do the same thing. We had to start offering virtual presentations because homeowners didn't want us in the home. And of course, we understood that. And one of the things we did, we actually, so we, we could offer a virtual presentation. Uh, we already used Leap. So that was fantastic for us. Again, I have to give a shout out because it allowed us to do very professional presentations to our customers but when we would go to their home we had all of our salesmen had a small picnic table six feet um, so they the customer could sit on one side and we on the other and then we could do it outside while the weather was still good we've done some from uh, in the front at the front door through a glass door um, but we're we did not have a lot of people, even through the beginning of the pandemic, who said, we don't want you in the home. We did have some, and we did do some virtual, and we did some in, that, in the backyard or on the deck or whatever, but we don't have anybody that asks us that now. So people, we go in with all the procedures that we need, the face mask and the cleaning the hands and all that. We, we use Leap so we don't have to give tons of paper to people. We can show it to them on the iPad. So... Um, we haven't really had a, it's not been an issue for us, but other people have had a, I think in other businesses have had a huge change, but we haven't so much. Yeah. So you don't see much carryover from that. You think no. it'll, it'll sort of be back to business as usual. Yes. But I think that eventually in-home presentations is, is going to come on stronger because the, the generation that's younger than, I don't know, let's say 35 for lack of knowing what the age would be they're they've been brought up on digital they're not going to sit for somebody for an hour and in-home sales presentation they're going to want to do it digitally because that's just how they were brought up so we're going to have to the whole industry is going to have to get acclimated to that because it's coming and you need to accept it you might not always do it for everybody but you're going to have a segment that's going to want that so you, you need to get prepared for it yeah well that, that's uh, uh couldn't agree more yeah. Um, as a uh, uh, close to that to that to that age bracket, we'll, we'll, we'll love it, but close. <laughs> uh, um, as we wrap up here, last question I have for you: uh, You know, what advice would you give someone that is you know maybe wanting to pursue a similar uh, career in in marketing? 
Well, so if somebody's starting out, I would tell them absolutely get some real world experience. Um, like I said, I worked in the sports information office. I, I volunteered with the League of Women Voters. Those were avenues that I was trying to pursue. So whatever it might be, intern at an ad agency or, or whatever it is, try to get some real world experience. Um, get your LinkedIn profile. Start it early. I, I have I have people that are experienced professionals that don't even have a LinkedIn profile. I go to events and uh, I get I collect business cards. Yes, I still collect business cards and I enter them into a database. There are people that I know, I go to big events, they don't have a business card. I can't, what am I supposed to do, write your name down? Or now sometimes they'll have a, their card on their phone and you can do it that way. But um, you know, you need to have, you need to get out there and be seen and be involved. Keep your LinkedIn profile active, update it. Go to meetings like chamber meetings or American Marketing Association or public relations society meetings. I do uh, all of those. Uh, keep doing webinars and learn more and more about what other people are doing in your field. But um, just get out there and do things. I've had to do that because of losing my job. I've had to be really good at networking, really good at knowing what I'm going to do, being organized, get myself out there, and it's hard. But that's also allowed me to continue to do that as I work. You should always be promoting yourself, not overly promoting, but you're your own brand ambassador. Just like I am for the company, I'm my own brand ambassador, so be it. And that's the advice I would give somebody. I love it. Well, appreciate it, Vicki. Thanks so much sure. for the time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow us on our social channels. Until next time, see ya.